can be opening your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We'll make our way over there in just a few moments. The whole purpose of Christ coming to the earth was that we might be rich though He lived in poverty. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. When Paul preached to the Gentiles, he did so in order that they might be able to find and uncover and that he might be able to share with them the unsearchable riches of Christ. During Christ's ministry, Jesus warned this. He said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. There were many sad occasions during the life of our Savior. He endured many things that were heartbreaking in His interaction with those around Him and those with which He shared such a great love. But I believe... On one such occasion, a young man came to him that was certainly heartbreaking to our Lord. A young rich man came to him and he asked a question. He said, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Matthew 19, 16. Jesus answered, of course, by instructing him to keep the law of God. At that time, the law of God was the law of Moses. It was the Old Testament law under which they lived at that time and He instructed this young man to do that. He followed up his instruction with this. He said, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, that thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Is it possible for any of us to think for a moment that someone would stare at our Savior and simply refuse His riches? Refuse the riches that only He could give. Well, that young man did. He did that. He refused the riches that only Jesus could offer. And there are are an untold number of people who are going to stand in disappointment as they face the judge of all the world when they hear, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Many of these people will be thinking all the while, that they will inherit these wonderful riches. That they will be in heaven with our Savior for eternity. Even though they will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name, and in Thy name cast out devils, and in Thy name done many wonderful works? They're still going to be disappointed. So as we make our way over to Galatians chapter 5, and we think about the things that Paul said in that statement, in this one passage, he made the mention that Christ shall not profit you. Who were those he was speaking of? Who will Christ not profit? Well, many of the people like this young man will not be profited. Those who will not profit from Christ are those who return to the world. This young man had an opportunity to come out of the world to be faithful, truly faithful to God, yet he refused the riches that Jesus could offer. 
And just like that in Galatia, there was a huge problem. There was a problem in Galatia where the Christians there, they were trying to leave Christ, they were trying to return back to the world by returning back to an old law. The old law had been done away with. No longer would Jesus command those who would come after and follow Him to keep the commandments of the old law. He would command them instead to follow the direction of the new law. Follow the gospel plan of salvation. The the good news that He had delivered through His birth, His life, His death, and His resurrection and ascension back to heaven. As Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians, it was occasioned by the problem of some of the members in Galatia binding upon other members parts of the old law. Parts of the old law that were physical in nature, such as circumcision. They bound that. They perverted the law to some extent by adding other things to it. In reply to that, Paul demanded this. He said, Behold, I say unto you that if you be circumcised... Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you who are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Galatians 5, 2 through 4. They had the problem of trying to go back into doing the old law. They were leaving Christ to return to the world. And by doing that, they had fallen from grace. If they were to continue in that, Upholding the law of Moses as God's law today is not the only way that we can return back to the world and we can leave Jesus. A Christian can leave Christ for any number of reasons, for any number of man-made or false religions that have been created in this world, thereby falling from grace. We have to understand and try to make some kind of an application to today. None of us here today are in the least bit interested in leaving Christianity to go into Judaism. That's not an issue that we're going to face on a personal level. Many in the world do that, but not for us here. So what kind of an application can we make? Well, there's only one system that can grant eternal life, and if we choose a different system, then we are like these Christians in Galatia, who had previously obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, yet they decided to go in another direction. Obedience to the pattern Christ has set forth in the New Testament is the only way that we can access these great riches that Jesus has left for us. Paul warned those same Christians. He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Galatians 1, 6-9. Well, in what way had that gospel been perverted? Well, when we add the different statements of the same letter together, we see that in the beginning Paul says they're perverting the gospel. You're allowing some people to draw you away from Christ, to return back to the world. And the way in which they did that was adding things to His commandments. Well, is that so different than today? Not really. 
any time that we add some kind of an unauthorized worship to God's uh, plan of worship, we're doing basically the same thing. When we change the organizational element of God's church to some other way, then we are basically doing the same thing. When we change the leadership roles of God's church to something else, then we are basically doing the same things. So of course there is no difference. There's no difference now in changing or perverting the gospel in some way as it was in Paul's day. Both are not acceptable to God. But those things are happening all over the world today and it's just as wrong now as it was then. Those former Jews misunderstood what God had in mind. They had a huge problem in Galatia and the problem was that they did not understand God's purpose for this old law. They were trying to go back to a law that God had done away with. He had turned it loose. No longer was it in effect. And he had a very specific reason in mind when he instituted this law. Yet they were leaving the new law for the old, and therefore they would lose their salvation. The law demonstrated to the people how bad sin was. The law demonstrated that Bad things happened that there were consequences to sin. Paul said, Therefore the deeds of the law there shall therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, Romans three twenty. We understand what sin is from the old law, but it can't save us. He would go on to say, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? He said, God forbid. He said, The law's not sin, I wouldn't have known. What sin was without the law, in essence, is what he was saying. He said, I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet, Romans 7, 7. What they needed to understand, though, was some very important things that Paul's trying to address to them. First of all, they needed to understand that only a blood sacrifice could atone for sin. They needed to understand that the result of sin is death, and death is earned through living in a sinful manner, Romans 6.23. That was the purpose of the law, wasn't it? They had to understand for them and for us to gain atonement for sin, there must be a sacrifice that takes our place. That's what the law prepared them for. For 1,500 years, a sacrifice took their place each year on the Day of Atonement. And that happened from the very beginning. We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And we see when God clothed the first couple that some animal of some kind lost its life instead of them losing their lives. And that was the way through the patriarchal years and the old law down until Christ came into the world. But those sacrifices were temporal. They were very temporary. They couldn't cause sin to go away. They couldn't cause sin to be taken off of our account. They could only roll it forward. The writer of Hebrews explained, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Hebrews 10.4 But then he told us exactly what could do that. Then said he, Lo, Hebrews 10.9 and 10, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we... Well, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Again, it's no different today when 
groups misunderstand the purpose of God's designs and His plans and, and causes us to return to the world. Christ's purpose for giving Himself was a very specific purpose, wasn't it? We have to understand exactly what that purpose was. He brought or allowed Himself to be born into the world, murdered, hung upon the cross, have His lifeblood taken from Him, Him giving it willingly so that we might have eternal life. When the purpose for His plan is misunderstood, well, we're really no different than those who received this letter in Galatia some 2,000 years ago. Peter warned against that happening, against returning back into the world. He said, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are entangled therein again, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. 2 Peter 2, 20-22. You see, Paul and Peter, they were on the same page when it came to the doctrine of Christ. Paul tells our, uh, the people of Galatia in this section of his letter, Galatians chapter 5, if you go back to the old law, you've fallen from grace. Peter tells his readers, if, if you're like a dog or you're like a sow who having been clean goes back and gets into the mud, you go back and you allow yourself to be entangled again in the sins of this world, you're no different and you have lost your salvation. He says the, the latter end is worse than the, than the beginning. And so we see that those who return to the world for whatever reason, Christ will not profit them. That's who Paul's talking about. We can't return back to the world. God, uh, Christ will not profit us. But not only them, there's another group of people to whom Christ will profit nothing. Those who refuse to obey Him. Christ will not profit those who refuse to obey Him. Many will not obey because they simply will not believe. They will not believe in Christ. And of course, damnation will be the result. Jesus warned, He said, Ye shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. John eight twenty four. We have to believe on Jesus. We see and we read through the Bible and we see the examples and we have uh, the evidences that Christ was exactly who He said He was. So believing must mean something. It has been given to us as a commandment throughout the biblical uh, narration. When we look at John 3.16 and we read the words of Christ saying, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When we look at that Greek verb translated believeth, that is a, an ongoing action verb. We might as easily say, He that believeth and keeps on believing should not perish. But I want us to also notice that it says should not perish. Because we can choose not to believe. We can stop believing. That's happened before. When Paul in writing about his once friend Demas, he said, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. Demas was referred to on one other occasion as a fellow laborer, worker for Christ. He's mentioned three times in the New Testament. 
And the last time we hear anything about him, he had left Paul. See, our love can grow cold and it can die, but unless we remain faithful, see, Christ will not profit us anything. Those who will not believe in Jesus will not be profited by Jesus, but those who do not bow before Him, they will not profit either. Recall Paul's words to the Christians in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-9. Paul writing to them, saying, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. It is paramount to our salvation that we bow before God. Paul quoted the words of Isaiah. When he made this statement, he said, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Romans 14, 11. Well, what was Paul talking about? Was Paul in some way indicating that on that great day, when all people bow before God and confess His wonderful name, that they shall have eternal life? No, a thousand times no. That's not what he was talking about. That's not at all what he is indicating. The only time that every knee will bow will be on the last day. Look around the world today. Is every knee bowing to God? Well, there are about 7 billion people in the world and the members of the Lord's church estimated anywhere from 1.5 to 10 million throughout the world. That's just a small fraction of people who have bowed the knee to God. So we're talking about on that last day, when Christ in all of His glory shall return, when He will be coming with that flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them, who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, Paul said, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Himself. So he's not assuring salvation. He's definitely talking about the final day of judgment. Now there are a multitude of reasons why someone would refuse to bow the knee to God. I think that one of the reasons may be perhaps like Pharaoh when he refused God. He said, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Exodus 5 verse 2. He claimed not to know who God was. And he chose not to obey. I think what we're seeing here is pride. I think we're seeing a little bit of pride here. He wasn't going to obey. He used the excuse of not knowing who God was. I don't think that that's the truth. But remember again, Paul said if you don't know God, Jesus is going to take vengeance upon you. So it's our responsibility to get to know God. It's our obligation to find out where He is and exactly what He has in mind for us. Like those who return to the world, those who refuse to obey, God will not profit them anything. But there's still another group of people who will not profit from Christ. Another group we want to talk about for just a few moments. And that is those who refuse to repent. 
What might be an excuse for some who refuse to repent? Well, we just mentioned it, didn't we? Pride. I think we see that in Pharaoh. We see that in a lot of people, right? I think when we, when we think of pride, one of, one of the people that I think of is, is King Agrippa. When he looked at Paul and he said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Why wasn't he persuaded? Paul said he knew the law. He knew the, the prophets. He believed. Could pride have been preventing him from repenting? What about Cain? Cain and his brother both offered sacrifice. They had both been instructed on what type of sacrifice to offer. Yet, instead of offering the right sacrifice, Cain offered the wrong and God rebuked him for it. And then the Lord asked him, He said, Why are you wroth? Why has your countenance fallen? He said, If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not, well, sin lieth at the door, Genesis 4, 6 through 7. But what did Cain do? Well, we certainly don't read about him repenting and asking God to forgive him. What we read about is him going into the field and killing his brother. Pride must have had something to do with it. His pride must have been harmed. And he went and killed his brother. Do you remember the two sons of Aaron? Those two sons uh, who I believe exhibited problems with pride? They were priests, and on one occasion they offered up fire to God. They were going to burn incense. And we read in Leviticus 10, first two verses, it states, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire or strange fire before the Lord, which He had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Who authorized them to offer that particular fire. Certainly wasn't God. They authorized themselves to do it, and that's arrogant and prideful. So we can't do that. Pride will certainly prevent us from repenting. But there's something else that I think often we don't think much about. I think prejudice. Prejudice will prevent us from repenting. It's hard to come to grips with being wrong about something that we've believed in so strongly for so long, isn't it? And it causes us to be prejudiced toward other ideas. We certainly don't even want to hear them sometimes. Many people in the religious world were, were reared up in such a manner that they believed a certain thing. And even after having come, come to the truth of the knowledge of what God wants us to do, they've believed something for so long that it is impossible for them to change. It's hard to repent. It's hard for them to follow Christ. They can if they want to. But sometimes we prevent ourselves. We can become prejudiced against any other thing. But I want us to remember what Christ said. Christ said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18, based upon that great confession that Peter made, that thou art the Son of God. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not even death itself will prevail against it. And it is to that institution that we must give our loyalty. That's what God deserves and what we need to do. Those who will not repent will not profit from Christ. No matter the reason. It's just simply not going to happen. All the riches of Christ can be ours. We see in the example of the rich young ruler that if he had only accepted, he could have had riches greater than he could have ever realized. For that to happen though, we must obey the pattern for becoming a New Testament Christian. Faith in Christ 
as the Son of God is the initial step, isn't it? Faith followed by repentance, wanting to change our lives, wanting to do what God wants us to, confessing that He is the Son of God, going down into the grave of baptism, washing the sins away that have have been in our lives, and coming up and walking in a new life, living faithfully for Him. If one falls away like the Galatian brethren were in danger of doing, repentance and confession, prayer on their behalf, that's the only way to have those past sins removed. That's what we have to do. Well, one thing is for sure. If we return to the world, if we refuse to obey, or if we will not repent, we're not going to be able to be profited by Christ. If you stand in either of these situations tonight, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.